friends. My guest today is going to be Doug Wren. Doug is the founder and owner of Wren International, a travel agency that creates unique once-in-a-lifetime experiences for all of Doug's clients. Doug has traveled all over the world to over 120 countries and has been recognized by Forbes and Travel and Leisure as an A-list travel executive. For all Doug has created, he's a very kind, generous, humble person, and I hope you enjoy his story of failures and successes so far. How are we doing, Doug? Doing great, Bobby. Thanks for uh, taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I've got a little time on my hands, so this is working out very well. Good, good, good. And how uh, family's doing okay with everything that's kind of going on right now? You know, they've, they've seen more of me than they ever have, uh, but I've, I've res I'm resolved to keep a, uh, a structure and, and do things that I've never done before. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty regimented, which I'm usually not because I'm usually all over the world and now I'm, I'm here. Well, that's, that's a good, reg regimented is good. I think a lot of yeah. with everything going on, I think it's hard to kind of find a little bit of that, a little bit of that structure, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, for those that, that don't know, uh, Ren International, nice, awesome, uh, kind of exclusive uh, travel agency you've you started and travel all over the world, take people a bunch of different places to see uh, your social media and everything like that. You guys have done a really good job because it's been exciting and interesting to watch every day. You guys are posting like Peru. Ireland, Iceland, South Africa, Fran, I mean, just, and, you know, uh, you're showing off such creative experiences for, for people to be able to choose. And how do you, how do you wind up down that path? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a good question. I think for me, um, it started in Latin America. It started focusing on one thing alone. And I didn't, I didn't do it on purpose. It was the only thing that I knew. Um, and you might think a lot of people think, oh, international, I, I focused just on one thing for so long and which was just specializing in one area, which was central and South America. And then over time, I, I brought in my horizons a little bit. I actually got, I didn't, I don't know. I got bored. I wanted to see more, but, uh, that's, so now international is, is really our forte. It's what I what I do every day. It's it's you know having traveled to 120 plus countries, it's uh, it's just fun to add, keep adding. And I'm not just checking off, but really like getting to know a place or uh, being an expert in a place. Right, getting to explore a little bit more and kind of figure out what each each country has to has to kind of offer. Now, when exactly. um, from coming from Philly, how how do you how do you get started going into uh, Brazil? How does that how does that start? How does that Latin America kind of affinity? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it starts off coming west, uh, pioneers. You know, um, my my mother and my father moved us to Utah for uh, a job opportunity. Okay. And, uh, so I was younger. I was I was in high school, but um, I came out to Utah and uh, fell in love with the mountains. I mean, geez, with the mountain biking and snowboarding and skiing. I mean, it just, I loved it. But my, my dad's from Philadelphia, my mom's from Brooklyn, and, and they didn't, didn't love Utah as much as, but with nine kids, 
you know, we just all, I, I guess, kind of found our way and they went back east and I have other, most of my family went back east. Uh, they, that's where they felt comfortable and I definitely felt comfortable here. Um, and uh, I, I ended up in Brazil because being part of a large family and my, my parents, I said they moved out to Utah for a, a job opportunity, but it was really religious as well. They, they joined the Mormon church and this is, Utah is obviously the Mecca of, uh, of, of the, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I should say, uh, using the official name. And um, I, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot, Bobby. We were, uh, I, I would say, you know, didn't have two nickels to rub together with the big family and moving out here. So I saw, uh, and I wasn't religious myself, um, although I was from a big family and I enjoyed everything about it, but I was just looking for an opportunity to see the world and get out. And um, I remember my brother, my older brother, we both wrestled and, and were in sports and he um, had a scholarship to go to BYU and go to a, a lot of other universities to uh, wrestle and do other things. But uh, he got into West Point in New York and um my granny really wanted me to go too. And she said, hey, go, uh, I'm gonna send you a ticket. And this was the first time I was ever on a plane because we drove out to Utah. And so she said, go see your brother during plebe week. And plebe week is when they, you know, your family can come, it's when they're, it's after they finish basic training. And if you've ever, if you've never been to West Point, it's one of the greatest things ever. I mean, you can go to any academy and, and it's just so impressive. And, and so I flew out there and there's only, there's four things I remember about that visit that sort of affected my life at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember what my brother could say when he was out with me or, or by himself, it was four things he could say. He could say, yes, sir, no, sir, no excuse, sir, and sir, I do not understand. And I just, that ingrained in my mind, like that was his voc vocabulary during that time. Like that's all he could say. Wow. And I remember thinking to myself, uh, well, I remember uh, one of his captains, one of his officers said, hey, Doug, do you think you could see yourself here? I was like, oh, hell, hell no. I think I said something else, but it was like, oh, hell no. This is crazy. This is insane. Like really smart people, but I was just, that structure was a little was a little much for me and I, but again completely impressed and i didn't belong there and i i thought you know this is for much smarter better people than than me and and i thought i had two options really i thought well military and i i was like i don't even know if i could get into a military academy but the second thing that i thought about being being a mormon i thought well i could go on a mission like everybody goes on a mission like how hard could it be and uh, apparently it was harder than I thought because you have to be, you have to get an interview and, you know, you have to be somewhat, uh, uh, you know, into it. And I wasn't really, and I remember uh, talking to my bishop and uh, my ecclesiastical leader and he said, well, I said, well, I just, I want to go international. He said, well, it doesn't really work that way. It's sort of, you know, and, and I said, well, I, I want to see the world. Like, this is my opportunity. And, uh, and uh, he said, well, let's see where you go. And I said, well, I'll just, if I, if I don't get to go somewhere international, can I just not go? And he said, yeah, of course. So anyway, the, the day came and I, I got this letter and it said, you know, you've been called to Brazil. And I thought, awesome. Where is that? <laughs> what, 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 what's Portuguese? <laughs> like, what, what language is this? 
So yeah, that's how it started. And so when you go, when you go to see your brother in, in West Point and mm-hmm. your first time going on that airplane and going through, and I mean, obviously times have changed a lot since then, but I mean, what was that experience like trying to go was- through and, and kind of navigate security and you're kind of on your own to see your brother? It's got to be. Yeah, it, it felt and it's starting to take off you're like oh boy <laughs> well so i think i think that was part of it it was it was liberating right like oh my gosh i'm, I'm flying in you know to jfk and and then somebody's picking me up and taking me up yeah it was really exciting the whole thing was exciting and terrifying at the same time uh you know and at that time because i think that there and you're a little bit younger you, you know you have this pressure to figure out what you want to, what you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. And the only thing I, I knew at that point is I wanted something more. Um, I didn't want to be, I, I wanted to just get out. I, you know, again, not, not having really anything. I mean, my goals were not too high. They were just, I wanted more. That, that was it. And, and going to Brazil was, was where the light turned on. It actually was turned on when I was coming home. Okay. I mean, you talk about, you've heard of people saying, I had, the light went on, the, right. the light, the light went on the day I came home from Brazil. And what, and, what, what was it coming on? Well, you know, I, I, I had lived on rice and beans. I, I walk around about 230 pounds. When I was coming back from Brazil, I was 150 pounds. And, and I had eaten rice and beans. I mean, I would literally take the beans and I would separate the rocks and the twigs from the beans and put them in the, in the water for the night before. And then I'd boil the beans and it was crazy. I would, I would literally get sick. When I came home, I would literally, if I smelled beans, I would literally get sick, physically ill because I, I ate them so much and that was, that's what I did. Um, but I, it was a great experience in that I knew uh, I learned a lot. You know, you learn a language, you learn how to deal with people. Like, listen, I, I think if, if you can go into the military, you can go on a mission, some type of service thing, like as a young person, it's the greatest thing ever. But I remember I put my suit on for the first time in two years. I went on a mission with the suit mm-hmm. and I came home with that same suit, but I, I never wore it during the day because it was too hot. I had a white shirt, a, a t-shirt on and a white shirt every day and a tie. When I came home, I had a sun like I had the sun was so intense every day and I whatever I do I'd wear a white shirt and tie as short sleeve but I had a tie imprint from the sun right like the sun would go through my shirt and I had this tie you know this like a sunburn almost but it was from two years of being outside walking and knocking doors and like building things and helping people the whole time but I came home and I was flying home from Northern Brazil and I went through Sao Paulo. And at the time there was a plane, a very Brazilian airlines plane that went from Sao Paulo to LA, LA to Tokyo, Tokyo to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to South Africa, South Africa, Johannesburg to Sao Paulo. It went around the world. That's all it did. One plane. And and that was a plane that I got on. It was a 747-300. The time Brazil had in Sao Paulo had the largest Japanese population outside of Tokyo. So a lot of, you know, Japanese uh, that was, uh, and they spoke uh, Japanese, of course, and Portuguese, and they were business people. And I remember, 
I, I, flying from northern Brazil, I, I, I flew to Sao Paulo and I got on the plane. I was getting on the plane and the flight attendant says, you know, just go this way. It was a 747-300. So it had first class, business class, coach upstairs. Uh, and they didn't look at my ticket. I'm dressed in this suit. They're thinking probably this, this kid, like he's first class. <laughs> right? You know, and so they send, me, they send me to first class and I walk in the first class, Bobby, and the first... I see sushi. I see more food than I've seen in two years. Like these trays, and I see these these guys in kimonos and slippers, and these seats that they could lounge in. And there was like there was like five windows per seat. I was blown away. I was like, "What is this place? This is this is heaven." I, I've just arrived. I'm I'm here. And they look at my ticket, and they're like, "No, no, no. It, you you need to go back." And so I went back, and then they I go to business class. Same thing, I mean, it's three, three windows to a seat, and again, more sushi and, and, and beautiful food, beautiful people, and they're like, no, 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 you're in the back. And so I keep going back, and I go all the way back, I mean all the way back, and this is when smoking, you could smoke, even when you couldn't smoke, you could smoke in Brazil on the planes. And so I'm in, I'm in the smoking section, the very back, it's a 252 configuration. So I'm in the, in the very back in this, in this middle row with this seat right here, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle, and, and it doesn't go back because it hits the lavatory. And it's a 12-hour flight from Sao Paulo to LA. And you know what the only thing I could think of, Bobby? After two years of dedicating my life to helping people, you know what the only thing I could think of? What was it? I just got fucked. <laughs> like I should be, I should be in first class. Like I should be, why am I, I, I just help people the whole time. That's all I did. <laughs> and I'm sitting in smoking section. My, my chair doesn't recline. And I was like, I, this is crazy. Yeah. I don't know. That's where my mindset was. And maybe it tells you a little bit about me that I'm just not like that guy, but I, I'm thinking, you know, the whole way home, I'm, I, I get up and I'm walking up and down the aisle the whole time. And I'm thinking, what, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I'm, I have no plan. I don't know what to do now. Right. And I thought, you know what I do want, though? I want to be up in first class. That's the only thing I want to do in life. And I'm walking up and down and I'm looking at, I'm looking at everybody in coach here. And you know what I saw? I saw 70-year-old, 80-year-old people just packed like that was the plane and i thought i don't want to wait until i'm 80 to to see the world like i i had been exposed to something that i'd never seen before and empathy for the people and just the language i loved it and i thought i want to sit up there but i don't want to be this i don't want to be this age i want to do it now how do i do it now and I thought, well, you could be a pilot. They're up there, but they're not even in first class. And what are those guys doing in first class? What is everybody? Are they businessmen? Who are they? What do they do? By the time I got to LA, I, I figured I got to be in the travel industry. Like those guys must travel, travel industry, travel people. They're traveling and somehow they're probably in first class. And that, that was the light. That was, that was the light that went on. By the time I got to LA, I'm like, I got to be in the travel industry. I got to see the world. And I got to sit in first class. Yeah, absolutely. That was it. That was it. Yeah, I mean, you got to you got to move your way from the smoking section. You got to got to get. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the smoking section was the worst. So, when you're talking about going in and and doing everything, where where is that drive coming from for you? 
is, is it is it mom is it dad is it that yeah. family you got such a you know uh nice yeah it, it it was from it was definitely and i come from a big family so i i don't know if it's coming from a big family because not everybody might like in your family you you have a brother you guys aren't the same at all yeah. so think about nine kids we're not the same but we have the same environment mostly and it's like food comes on the table and you kind of fight for it. Like you're not enjoying it. You're like fighting for this food, right? Absolutely. You're, you're fighting for attention. You're fighting for uh, love. You're, you know, it's like everything's a competition. You know, you've got one brother that's uh, an all-state wrestler going to West Point. Well, I'm wrestling too. Like, what am I? Like, well, how do I do that? And, you know, and you excel at other things. You, you try to figure out. Uh, you, you know, I felt, found out very on, like I didn't, th th then you're like, well, do I want to be in the same competition? Do I start something else? And so I think it came from just growing up in that, uh, in a really competitive environment of right. like survival of the fittest Darwinism. <laughs> like, yeah, look, if you're, if you're timid, you're not going to eat. My family, we, we still get together. And, and I think that my wife gets a headache. Like, it's just, it's insane. Like it's loud and I'm super calm. Like I'm very even kill, but when it's family, when it comes, like I can get in that mode really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So what, is, what does it come from? Yeah. Probably just like, I, I don't know. The other thing is when you don't have anything, you have nothing to lose. And I think that's a benefit. Like I didn't have, uh, I've got, I've got nothing to lose. Zero. Like, yeah, you go on a mission. I've got zero to lose. Like I've got nothing to come home to. When mm -hmm. I, when I was in high school, you, you know what my, my dad's, which I, I love him for it. My, his speech to me when I was uh, getting ready to graduate high school, he's like, look, he said, um, you have to figure it out. We don't have, we need your room. We need your bed. So as soon as you graduate, you have to figure it out. Like that's, look, when someone says that to you, like you just got to fit, like, well, what do I do? What are my options? I'll, I got to figure it out. So. So after you come back and you, and you, you get that, that experience from, from Brazil, light bulb kind of goes off on that flight to LA. What, yeah. what are the next steps? Well, yeah, the next step was, um, you know, to figure out, well, I was trying to figure out, I, I mean, I say I wanted to be in the travel industry, like that's the thing. But in reality, what I knew and what I had learned on my mission, I was a pretty good leader. I was really good under, uh, under very stressful circumstances. And I thought, huh. And I was going to, before I went on a mission, I thought I was in pre-med. I thought, well, I could be a doctor. Like I'm pretty good under pressure. And I kind of like that environment of, of figuring things out and, right. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll be in pre-med and then, you know, coming back, I thought, well, let me figure out this travel industry thing. Like I've got, uh, I, I feel like I've got a pretty good business mind. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, I wasn't sure. I had a lot of different things. And uh, at the time, the 10th largest travel company in the United States was based in Salt Lake. Okay. And they had a division, a very small division that specialized in Central and South America. And I thought, well, the only skill I have at the, at the time was that I spoke Portuguese. Uh, it was very similar to Spanish, and I started taking Spanish lessons too. I thought, well, if I've got these, you know, I've got English, Spanish, and Portuguese. I mean, there's something, and, and maybe that's how I start. And so I went in, and I interviewed with a gentleman uh, who was the manager of that division, and he eventually became my business partner to start off with. Okay. And uh, he was from Argentina, which means that he's always right. 
um, and even if he was wrong. And uh, I remember going into this interview and he just dismissed me like, you have nothing. And uh, I said, well, I, I said, no, I've, I've got, um, you know, he's, he's, I remember he said to me, he said, Doug, is, I'm looking at your, your, your resume. I see nothing. You have nothing. You are nothing. That's what he would tell me, like total him. And I love the guy. And, and he said, uh, and I said, look, I said, I, I don't have anything now. I said, but I, I said, uh, you, you know, I, I started naming off some, you know, intangibles. Like, look, I've got integrity. Eh, everyone, everyone said they have integrity. And I said, look, I said, I'll, I'll be loyal to you. I said, I, I can do that. I said, I'm a loyal guy. And I said, you know, if you give me a shot, I'll, um, I'll be loyal to you. And uh, this is like in, this is in 1994. And so I had gotten one of my mission buddies, his dad got me a job. I was making like 15 bucks an hour at this warehouse up at Kennecott at this mine. And, and uh, which was really good money at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, uh, I remember Carlos said, he, he said, uh, um, you know, after I said, look, I'm loyal. He said, you are hired. And I didn't know anything like what the job was, what I'd be doing or anything. But I do remember I was gonna making minimum wage down to five fifty an hour. So I went from fifteen dollars to making five fifty an hour. But I wasn't. I was never really. I, I was. I think to a degree, everybody's motivated by money. But I wasn't. Like I just wanted a shot. Like I wanted to see the world. Right. Yeah. And, and drive. Yeah. Really go. So. How, how does it how does it kind of grow from grow from there? Yeah, so I realized very quickly. Yeah. I, I realized very quickly that I was not the type of guy that could um, like. I don't think I'm very judgmental, but I was definitely started working for a big company and realized, yeah, I don't I don't dig this. Like I I think I could do this better. And and I was super young, so you don't you know you're you're I'm 21 and I'm I you know I. I after a year work, you know, traveling and I'm, I'm getting my, I'm, I'm getting used to this. I'm, I'm seeing that I could, I could do anything. Like I'm, I'm going to Brazil, I'm going to Peru, I'm going to Argentina, I'm going to Costa Rica. I'm, I'm doing, you know, I, I mean, a, a month before, or, or excuse me, a, a week before my wedding, I'm going and, and driving around Costa Rica opening up with United Airlines, they wanted to open up United Vacations. I'm driving these executives around, like I'm, I'm 21, 22, and I'm showing them like where to go, how we're gonna set this up and how we're gonna do this. And you know, you kind of get a big head and you think, well, these guys are asking me, like these are airline executives wanting to open up their own thing. Like, like right. I'm the guy, why, why shouldn't I do this on my own? Uh -huh. But I knew I, I was too young, definitely. And my mentor at the time, he was 57. You know, and I said, hey, would you, how would you feel about like doing it on our own? And uh, luckily he said, yeah, let's, we could do this. And uh, so we did. That's and we, awesome. you know, specializing in, in Latin America, um, we decided to stay with that. And I, I had, we, we, we had some really good advice from, from really smart people. And um, I remember when we were starting out, uh, there was this marketing branding firm that I had written a letter to. This is when we were writing letters. And I, I just told them, like, I saw one of their advertisements in a magazine. And uh, I wrote to them. I was like, you guys, man, I don't know anything about anything. But I know that you guys 
you guys are really good. Yeah. And they're like, hey, why don't you come over to our office? And I think that they were thinking, hey, this is an international firm. Like they probably got money because I was going out to New York all the time because I was visiting travel agencies. We were a wholesaler. We were selling Latin America to travel agents. At the time, the internet was non-existent at the time. And so the gateway to everything were travel agents. And I was selling to travel agents. And my, my, I'd fly to New York every month and make these pitches to these travel agents. And I went to see this firm and, and they did this big pitch to me. And I said, guys, you have no idea. Like, it's just me and my partner. Like, we're nothing. Like, we're, we're zero. And uh, I remember the owner of the firm, he sat me down and he said, Doug, he said, he said, look, he said, I'm not, look, I mean, they, I went into this conference room, they had eight people ready to pitch me like I'm Michael Jordan or something. Like it was insane. And I, I was embarrassed, overwhelmed, and uh, just felt like, what, what is happening? And he said, well, what you wrote me, you know, I see you're international and, you know, and, and this and that. And I had brought my brochure, we had done brochures and stuff. And, and he said, let me sit, he said, I, I said, he said, where are you going with this? What are you doing? I said, yeah, I've got big plans or whatever, whatever. And he said, he dismissed everyone. He said, he said, Doug, he said, let me talk to you for a minute. He said, let me give you three things that will make you successful. Three things yep. uh, that will really help you in your life. And I, and I, I'm, I'm on pins and needles. I'm like, this guy's going to tell me this, the secret to life. He said, focus, focus, focus. And I was like, that's it? <laughs> I was expecting something more. And yeah, so that's what he said. So, so at that time, then I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to focus, like be the best at in Latin America. Like right. we didn't have a lot of competition. I thought, well, I, I can do this. Like I'm flying, I'm young, I can do all these things. And, and, and it sort of grew from there. And I made myself available a lot of people might know like Rob Report, magazines were big. So Rob Report, uh, National Geographic Travel, uh, Condé Nast Travel, Travel and Leisure. They started, I, I, I became the expert. And part of it was because uh, just, I started doing things that nobody else was doing. So I had, I had a, um, my first account was National Geographic and IMAX Films. Like they're like, oh, there's somebody who specializes just in Latin America. Uh -huh. And we're going to film the Amazon called up and said, Hey, can you help us with this? I'm like, absolutely. I've got nothing going on in my life. We have no money. We're starting. <laughs> like, I didn't say that, but like, yes, we're the experts. Like, of course. And they're like, well, we want to do the entire, Am we want to film the Amazon. I'm like, that's insane because the Amazon is the wild, wild West. And this is in the nineties. And it goes from Brazil through Colombia, you know, Venezuela goes through Bolivia and Peru. It's insane. And they're like, yeah, we need to get around. We need to like, we want, this is how we want to do it. And I mean, literally contacting the Colombian army to charter planes from them in cash. Like it, it was insane. Like things that they wanted to do. And I just thought it was cool because it was a big name was doing, I was doing things like I hadn't, I didn't know there was a job description for this. Didn't even know that it existed, but I realized like, this is awesome. And yeah. it's really scary at the same time. And I started, you know, anything you guys need, like, can we do anything more than tickets? And I'm like, yeah, Doug, this IMAX film, this, this film, it's, it has to be hand carried down there. Who do you know? Like, who can we hire for that? I'm like, I'm your guy. 
call me anytime. I'm your guy. They, I get a call and two, I, you know, I get a call on the phone and they're like, yeah, we need, we need this to go down right away. We need to pick up film. I'm like, well, your guys have a satellite phone. I think that they're in Columbia somewhere. And how fast can you get that up down there? I'm like, I can leave in two hours. I call my wife and Holly, hey, uh, can you take me to the airport? I got to go another run down to, you know, South America. <laughs> and I go and I take these, this film and I find my way into the Amazon. Like it was, it was insane. And we're, you know, I'm, I'm doing the handoff and figuring out how to get back and how to get these, like them to the next place. And so nobody's dying or getting killed and like in between visas and just doing stuff that there was no, there was no playbook for. Right. And then it, it got to the point where, you know, I was, I was, they were calling me for the problem solving. Like, Hey Doug, uh, we just had all of our underwater housing equipment to film the pink dolphins in Brazil was just confiscated by the military. What do we do? I'm like, well, what's your deductible? Like it's 50,000. Um, do you guys, is that too much to pay? Like, and they're like, yeah, we can't do that. I'm like, well, what if I went down, would you guys be okay if you gave me $10,000 and I see if I can get it out? They're like, yeah. So <laughs> the, the most brilliant idea, I'm, I'm the problem solver. I'm going to, you know, and it, it's not until like I'm going down on a plane with $10,000 stashed in my, you know, on me. And I'm, I'm thinking at, at some point I'm thinking, maybe this isn't a good idea. Why are they so excited to send me down here? <laughs> like it's a deal for them. Like what do they have to lose? You know, and I'm negotiating with the military police, like how to, you know, I don't know. It, it, it got a little crazy at some points, but it, it, I got the job done. And um, I remember coming back from coming back and I had like, I mean, pallets full of this underwater. They, they filmed this with these IMAX cameras. They have these special things that they, you know, go in the water and it was really expensive equipment. And that $50,000, uh, at the time, now I realize like how cheap that was, but they're like, yeah, some kid's going to go, he, maybe he can do it for 10,000. I did it for five. I can't, I flew back from LA and I came through this special, they've got this special like movie where US marshals and movie people can come through. And I remember walking into LA and coming through this special entrance and the producer of the film is there. He's like, I said, Hey, I said, here's your equipment. I said, here's $5,000. He's like, what? I said, yeah, I said, uh, I got it for five. And they're like, you're kidding. I said, Doug, we didn't even think you were coming back. And, and I thought, no, yeah. And then I'm flying back to Salt Lake thinking, they really thought I was going to die. Like, you know, and, <laughs> and I thought, well, you know what? I'm, I, I'm lucky to be alive, honestly. Like some of the things you do as younger and you know, like yeah. you kind of take risks and you, you know, did I have anything to live for I mean, I had my wife, Holly, who, you know, is my biggest supporter, but I, I was like, yeah, I, I didn't realize sort of what was happening at the time. I think as much, I thought I did, I thought I had it all figured out. Right. And then, you, you know, and then these guys are like, oh my gosh, and National Geographic, right. You know, you're in the movie, you're in the credits. And then, you know, all of a sudden the next thing I know I'm in, uh, um, travel and leisure you know the expert of south america when they do that and right. and uh, all of a sudden you're the guy and yeah. things start taking off and, and well, then, gotta, that's got to be a that's got to be a pretty good feeling for you i mean going through and and going traveling that much and going back and forth to south america i mean that's 
that's it's a lot of hard work and, and, and dedication to kind of create that. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, at the time looking at it, it was um, it was sort of, yeah, but I want more. <laughs> I want to see other things. Like that was the problem, not a problem, but I, I always remember the focus, focus, focus. But I also remember like seeing pictures of Europe and, and Asia and thinking, huh, there's a lot out there. Like I yeah. want to, I want to do that too. Um, so, yeah. So where, where does that kind of, how, how do you branch out? And then when, when does the opportunity come of like, you know what, I've, I've brought people through the Amazon and rescued equipment and day and done all these crazy things dealing with the military and all that. And now it's like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to kind of jump to, to Europe and the, and the rest of the world. And I kind of, I, w- I want to see that. So, um, so I started with airlines because being the expert, you know, and this is what I'll tell you about. I, I think being in the expert in one thing, like the expert in whatever it is, like, oh, grass or what, it doesn't matter. Like when you're the expert, like things, things come to you because at some point people need that expert for whatever it is. And it could be super obscure. And I thought South America was super obscure. And when I, when, when you think about like in America, you know, how many, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of people we've, we've got, and then how many of those people hold passports and then how many of those people will actually travel and how many of those people actually go just to South America? Like it's so small. And, and, and so I was in a really, small group and so i'd have be working with companies and then i started working with like agents of um like i started uh i i I the airlines said hey doug can you do a speaker series for us like in new york and new york was for me living in utah everybody said why are you living in utah you should be living in this you know somewhere else i'm like well i can't afford the rent in new york or whatever i would come up with something kind of funny and whenever I'd start and, and they hired me, airlines would hire me to do these seminars or to do like, uh, they'd have these cocktail parties with these different airlines in New York. And I talk about like the, I talk about the Patagonia in, in Chile. And I talk about the Atacama, the driest desert in the world. And I remember after, sometimes I'd leave those things. Like, I don't, I don't belong here. Like I, I'm not, I don't make the money these guys do. I'm not in the same age group. Like I'm, it's, it was so, so foreign to me. Yeah. To, to do this but I, I i liked it but it i i felt a little bit inadequate and sometimes i'd come back like what was i doing like I, i'm not selling it i'm just talking i'm just right. giving an example of my last trip and why it was amazing and it's the last frontier and you know talking about chile and uh, to easter island and you know just just explaining and telling about these stories and and I remember on a, I had flown home on a Sunday from New York and I got into my office and I don't have a secretary and mm-hmm. somebody answered the phone in my office and they said, uh, Doug, uh, somebody's in, somebody's on the call, somebody's on the phone from me from New York. And I said, oh yeah, I'll send it through. And this woman gets on the phone with this heavy Brooklyn accent and she's like, hey, this is, you know, Grace Pappas and uh my uh my boss heard your speech or whatever and he wants to talk to you he's in he's in uh i think he was in paris at the time i want to put you through and I'm, i was like trying to process it and like hey doug this is uh you know leonard lauder uh 
you know, and I'm like, Leonard Lauder, who is this guy? And, and I'm thinking, oh, I think I read about him like one of the 10th richest guys in the world. <laughs> you know, like this guy calls me up like he's, you know, yeah. and he's like, oh, Doug, I, you know, I had a friend of mine, we were at this little party and you were out, I didn't get to talk to you, but you know, whatever, whatever. And uh, it's my, uh, it's our big wedding anniversary. And uh, we want to do that trip that you talked about down to Chile and Peru and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, only better. <laughs> Yeah. That's what he said to me. And at the time, like, I'm, I didn't even know what to say. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. And I'm like, what's your budget? He's like, oh, there's going to be two of us and the president of Citibank and this guy and that. And we'll fly our own plane down, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, at the time, you know, and I'm, I'm like, oh, what's your, you know, just, yeah, of course, you know, help you out, whatever you need. And and uh, he said, well, can you keep it under 100,000? And I'm like, what's, what is 100,000? Like 100,000 like pesos or like, uh, are we talking dollars? <laughs> like I didn't know what he was talking about. And uh, anyway, came to find out I didn't stay in budget. And uh, we just, you know, doing like really crazy things for people that had uh, a lot of money and needed to, to do things that normal people wouldn't do. Right. From, uh, you know, and you start working with agents and all of that and, and they start talking and then you're doing dealing with presidents of companies and they're like, oh, we want to bring our company down. And I thought, huh, like, like your best salespeople or what? And right. it, it sort of opened up other ideas. Like I, again, I didn't, this market didn't exist and it didn't, it was just new things were coming that I thought people are bringing their best salespeople or their best clients on this amazing trip that I'm doing in the Amazon I'm doing at Machu Picchu when I'm getting them in at night when nobody's there and I'm special access and rolling cigars for them over, you know, whatever it is. And I'm doing these crazy things. And I'm thinking at the time, like they're doing this to reward their best people. But on the other hand, I'm thinking it wasn't about the reward for the company that was paying them. It, it was about the retention, retaining these people. And I, I kind of like, oh, this is, it's not a trophy and it's not, it's not just about this trip. It's about for the company retaining these people. And I'm like, wow, we're doing this in Latin America. This is amazing. And then they come to us and they say, uh, well, can you do this in Africa for us? And I remembered, you know, my focus, focus, focus. And I'm thinking, no, can't do it. <laughs> and I was really sad. I, I thought, well, the only reason I'm able to do this is because I'm uh, the expert, because I, I know this, this right. area. And then I realized very quickly, and, and maybe it was just how much I wanted to do something else. Mm -hmm. I, I remember thinking, well, maybe it's not doing more companies. I realized these, we call them incentive trips now, right? International incentive trips. I realized more and more that it wasn't the area or the region they were going to that was my focus. My focus was on them. Right. And then I thought to myself, huh, maybe it's not the area. Maybe my focus is relationships. Right. And, and, and that's sort of where I, I veered and I thought, okay, like let's, instead of just focusing on Central South America, now I've focused on these clients, these people. Now maybe I focus on where do they want to go and focus on them and, build the relationship much like I did in Latin America. Yeah. So that's how I sort of branched out. And you kind of, you kind of uh, speak to that um, through the, the three R's, right? With uh, rewards, relationships, and then also the, the retention when you go through and you, you have those travel experiences. Yeah. I didn't know how to verbalize. I, I wanted to, 
put something like, I, I have to see it. I'm, I'm pretty visual. Oh. And, you know, a lot of people, I tell people, oh, what do you do? And they're like, that's a boondoggle. Or they'd say something like, that's not real. That's not a real job. That's not. And, and so I guess I wanted to validate what I did a little more because I, I don't want to say, oh, it's a reward trip. Well, maybe to the people that are receiving it, but I, I wanted to like dive into it a little bit more. I, I, I talked to these owners, these super successful people, because I was dealing with the owner of the president, you know, doing it. And that was my thing. Like, hey, we're, we're, you know, I'm, I'm focused on you. This is what I'm doing. I'm not working with, I'll work with anybody, but I need, I need to talk to you for the decision-making. It's your money. Right. And uh, I said, it's about, and, 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 and learning more from them. It was how I learned about, it was, you know, it was about more for them. It was about the retention, like how expensive it was to lose the best person. Like, right. I just want to keep them happy. And I realized it was about the relationship. Like, it was a relationship that they had. And it wasn't necessarily for the, the person that was receiving that reward, but it was for their significant other and sometimes their family. Like, they were gone so much and sometimes traveling and other things that they look forward to this and the relationships they had with the other spouses and the, just the company and, and right. sort of the relationship it builds. And, and that's what I said. And you know, cause you've traveled all over the world, the people that you travel with, you get to know them better than your own neighbor. Like yeah. I know when I moved into my new house, I told Holly's like, Hey, you got to make an effort here. I'm like, I don't even know these people. And she said, well, you got to get to know them. And so what did I do? I put together a neighborhood trip and I brought 15 couples down to Costa Rica and I got to know them. I'd lived there for three years, didn't even know people's names. And after that week, like, you know, everybody, we know each other. Like, you know, that's, that's yeah. how you get to know people. That's how, that's how you get to really know people. Yeah. And so you talk about kind of building that relationship and, and how that creates such, such a uh, unique bond. And w would you say that that's a, that's a quality that's really been able to help you succeed, kind of being creative and, and creating those, those kind of relationships? Yeah, I think, listen, I tell everybody, I, I, I guess one thing I, I can say to people, and I, I would say this in, in a business relationship, in a personal relationship, in a love relationship, if you want to get to know someone, you go with them for a week. The problem with a week is anybody can fake it for a week. Right. Go somewhere for two weeks. Some people can fake it. You yeah. travel with someone for three weeks, nobody can fake it. If you want to know who somebody really is, travel with them for three weeks. Right. Sometimes you only need a week. Sometimes you need two. But I think for me, it w I was able to, that's when I really got to know people. When I started, um, I used to do this, uh, the airlines would hire me to talk about Latin America when they were doing new routes and I, I talked to their executives and they would hire me to go and, and, and talk to people about travel. I didn't have aspirations to do that. You know what happened? I was traveling with one of the executives to Easter Island and I remember this guy, his name was Martin Mosley. He worked for Lawn Airlines. It was Lawn Chile at the time. Yeah. And we're hiking like this eight hour hike going to see those Moais in, 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 on Easter Island. And he was amazed. And I had been there like three times, three or four times before that. And I was showing him, I was like, Oh, check this out like this and that. And we were talking and we developed this. He was asking me so many questions and I thought, is this, 
does he want something from like I, I couldn't figure it out and I realized I was the reason he had wanted me to go with him in the air, he was, it was an interview. Like I didn't realize at the time, but he told me later it was an interview prop. He wanted to, he had other people, other travel companies there and he was really interviewing who they wanted to partner with. Again, it was so smart. I realized at that time, I was like, he's doing what I already know, which is finding the best partner or the best, like if you're going into business with someone, travel with them and he understood that he was he, I think he was Australian but he, he figured out he, he knew what it took like he didn't need them to fly to Miami and do this great interview and whatever I mean he needed he needed to know who they were and and when you get to know like I said when you travel with someone you get to know who they are yeah absolutely yeah I mean, how long when you were skiing, like you, you travel with guys and you travel with great guys and you knew who was a piece of shit and you knew who was the real deal. Absolutely. Like, yeah. You know, like, you build those bonds and whether you're there for a few weeks or, or a month, I mean, you, you know, your roommates and they get on your nerves and, and what yeah. kind of you pick, but it, it is very uh, unique when you're able to do that and, and travel and go to all these different places. I mean, I know, the one experience when I went to, uh, we had a training ch- camp down in Chile and we went to, uh, so we go through Santiago and before we we're in the crown room, I think in, in Atlanta, Okay. I had a piece of fruit that I put like in my backpack. I was like, Oh yeah. Like I'll, I'll eat it on, on the plane and totally forgot about it. We're going through security in, in Chile yeah. and my, you know, we're, you know, joking. We're probably, you know, we're excited to get to our training camp and everything else. And they flagged my bag and I'm like, what? you know, like what's, you know, what's the fruit? <laughs> and for the fruit. So I have to go into this bag. I mean, everyone's got to wait like an hour for me. I we get like detained to deal with an apple. Right. Wrapped up and they're like, did you bring this in with you? How did and I just, you know, totally spaced my mind. I was like, oh yeah, like, yep, you got me. It's a, it's an apple from Atlanta. I, I didn't, it was it was a hilarious situation though, but it is one of those kind of unique bonding experiences you get with people that um, it, it, it is really unique to travel. It does create a, a, a unique relationship without question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what for someone that's kind of going out and, and wanting to start their own business or, or start their own kind of venture, what, what, what approach or what, what advice would you have for them to, to help them kind of persevere and, and stay the course? Because there's a lot of fears and stuff that, that go along with it. Right. And yeah. whether it's not knowing or it's the unknown or, you know, the uh, fear of failure, what, what, what advice would you give to them? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I think for me, um, I, I never waited for permission. Yeah. Like I never look, I, I'm a, didn't go to college. Like, like I, I, I think for me it was, yeah, just don't wait for permission. Like there's no, there's no perfect time. There's nobody that says like blesses you that, I mean, I've had shaman blessings all the, I mean, but nobody's like saying, you know, you're ready. You're yeah. Like I never got that piece of paper and maybe a little bit of a chip on my shoulder with even like, I, I never felt like I had, I, I, I had these resources behind me 
uh, in, in, uh, like a college degree or, or this money or that. I, I just didn't never, I, I just didn't wait. Like I didn't have anything, like I'm not going to ask anybody, I'm just going to do it right. and see what happens. And I realized the, the more that I've, I've been around, the more I've realized like you just do it. Like even the more successful that I've, the, the people that I've been around, I, I kind of realized like, look, they've got as many insecurities as all of us. And a lot of times, even for me, I would say like, look, you put yourself out there and somehow you get lucky and somehow you're just like, you're working hard enough and you're positioned, somehow you're in a position and all of a sudden like things start rolling. Right. And, and so for me, I would say like, I, I always go back to the focus, 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 like you're focusing on one thing, like you're, if you can like, I, I feel like I'm always all over the place, but if I could focus on something and then again, like not waiting for it to be perfect. Like I don't have the perfect website. I don't have the perfect pedigree. I don't have this contract. I don't have this. Like it yeah. doesn't matter. Like just, well, you just do it. You get started. You just get to work. Now, now speak a little bit more to kind of that. Uh, I, think, I think that's really kind of profound that don't wait for permission. I feel like you don't, you don't hear that that often, right? And it's, mm -hmm. it's one of those things that, uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, in life, you need to go out and you need to, you need to get it. Yeah. And that, that kind of chip on your shoulder. Uh, speak a little bit to that. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's, it's really, it's always been in the back of my mind that, um, yeah, just, I, I, I mean, kind of what you're doing, like who gave you in the arena, like who, who gave you permission to like start this and, right. and i think about that all the time like um colin anything that i do like i i've always thought and and i guess it it, it sort of goes back all the way to um you know from high school and, and just trying to figure out where i wanted to go that i just was like yeah i'm I don't have something that said, I, I think about there's certain things you do in life, like you've got to have qualifications and you've got, I mean, to be a doctor, you've got to have, oh, you're ready now, like go operate or you're, um, you know, you've got a law degree, like go for it. But there's, there's still all these different things that happen in between and, and you've got to build your skill set and stuff. But look, nobody tells me that I, I can't do something or start something new. And I mean, in this right now, I'm thinking, I, I thought I was so smart in the travel industry. Like I've got incentive travel. I've got private travel, like super luxury, luxury travel. I've got educational, I've got, uh, you know, executive MBA groups and, and global study and, and recruitment travel. And I'm thinking to myself, I am so like, I've got this and, and I've, I've got my eggs that are all separated. You know, I've, I'm, I'm like, and I'm even looking for other things to do. And then all of a sudden the baskets are gone, right? All the eggs are gone and the baskets are gone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what just happened? And I'm thinking to myself, well, what else am I qualified to do? And, and I have to get out of my mind. Like I don't need permission to start something else or to like supplement what I'm doing right now. Like I'm already thinking like my client's really successful at that. Like I'm going to do that too. Like I'm going to help. I'm going to do, do that too. And I guess that's where my mind's always been because when I see Bobby, like super successful people, some, some people that I'm like, how are they so successful? Like, it makes no sense to me. Like they have no business being that successful. And I'm like, they just did it. They didn't ask for anybody because anybody else would have said that guy doesn't deserve that. And, right. and I, I think that's where it comes from. Like, 
you know, it, business is a little bit different though. It's not like you're going down the hill and you're timed and like, it's, it's like you're winning and, 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 and he's just better. It's like business is a little different. We're like, ah, it's, yeah. you're, you're, you know, everybody can win. Like right. it's a big, big piece of buy. Like it's just, you win at different degrees. Yeah. So you, you talked a little bit earlier, kind of just uh, about sometimes being a, a little bit scattered. Now, mm-hmm. what, what would you say, because uh, running the, the travel, I mean, you got, you got so many different tasks and things you kind of need to take care of on a, on a daily basis. What kind of helps you stay focused? What are some of those vital priorities that, that allow you to, to kind of relax and, all right, I got this checked off. What, what are some of those routines that really help you uh, succeed? Mm, routines. I think uh, for me, sometimes I have to refocus. Like, why am I doing it? Am, am I making money at this? Does it really matter? Right. Uh, you know, sort of a, a, an evaluation sometimes. And that's not every day. But sometimes it's like every week where I'm like, uh, I should be reading more. I should be doing this. And um, for me, being able to, uh, the, the one thing that has really helped me and uh, is is working out in some way. I mean, I, I was doing uh, um, uh, Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. I love like hand-to-hand combat stuff. And You've had a couple losses. I know <laughs> you've had a couple losses in the, the Jiu Jitsu and, and Muay Thai, yeah. a, couple, a couple knockouts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it got to the point where I just like was showing up and like my eye is like swelled shut and like my partner is like, no, you can't, you can't go speak to a group. It looks like you just got, you know, you got beat with the ugly stick. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think having um, an appreciation, like when you feel good uh, um, and, and you're working out, like that's something that I do religiously every day now. I mean, even, even in good times and bad times or whatever, it's not that I would work hard. I, I would always take time for myself. So I, I, I work out in the morning, have, you know, have a cup of coffee and read the paper. Like that was my thing. Like gave me, I feel like reading is one of the best things like educate travel and reading. Like it's the best thing you can do, the best education you can have. Yeah. And I always thought, well, I'm travel. I just need to get a little smarter. I need to read a little bit more. I need to be a little bit more well-versed overall. Sure. You know, I didn't go to some liberal arts college, although I love liberal arts and I would, I think I'd be a great liberal arts guy, uh, <laughs> but I kind of make fun of them. But I, you know, in reality, I want to be, you know, well-rounded. And, and uh, well, one thing I tell Bobby, like my, my people that work for me, mm-hmm. um, that I, I always want, I, I said, I think one thing that helps me uh, in business and in uh, where people will remember you, because a lot of times people, you know, you'll, you'll be somewhere and they're, you're just not memorable, which is like not the greatest compliment, like probably the worst compliment somebody could get like, Oh, he wasn't memorable. Like, I don't, you know, you meet someone and you, you, you know, those guys you meet and, and you think I want to like, they've got a story. I want to get to know them more. Like there's something there. And I tell my people, um, I said, you know what? I said, if you can be, when you're in a room, if you can be the most interesting guy in the room, but not tell anyone, but, but you know, you are, yeah. and, and other people will figure that out too. And, and that means you got to work for it, right? Like yeah. don't be boastful about it, but just, you know, as you, as you're going in life, just, just be the most interesting person in the room. 
you know, Frank Layton, I was reading this, this article about Frank Layton. So he went to go, you know, the coach of the old coach of the Utah jazz guys from New York. And, and uh, he, he was invited to give the commencement at the, uh, at Harvard law. And uh, his wife said, you know, how'd it go? And he's like, it was terrible. It was awful. He said, I was the, he said, I was the dumbest guy in the room and everybody knew it. You know, I mean, that, that's a guy that, like he's actually the smartest guy. Like he didn't have the degrees, but probably yeah. the smartest guy in the room, self-deprecating, like that's the guy you want. Like that's a guy that comes and speaks to everybody that's smarter than him because he's probably, he is the most interesting guy in the room. He doesn't have the law degree, but he's lived some lives and he can tell a story. And, and uh, that's, I, I, and I tell my daughters this all the time. I was like, you know what? I said, you'll be successful. Like just be the most interesting person in the room. doesn't right. matter. Like just your travels around the world. Like you listen, being having traveled to 120 different countries in the world, like I can pretty much like get into any conversation or like add something or have a different perspective. And yeah. you just, you know, it, it doesn't mean like I have the biggest bank account or the biggest business or even the most successful business, but at least people are like, oh, he's fun. He's like, oh, we'll invite him back. Like, you know, you're always gonna have a party to go to. Right. <laughs> so you talk about when you're going through and you're, you're on those, those long flights and you're mm -hmm. trying to be more well-versed. So what, what's some, what's some recommended reading? What, what mm -hmm. are some books I kind of need to, I need to take down for, for the next time, hopefully soon that I'm, that I'm traveling around and I get to be. Yeah. On, yeah. Uh, I read, um, I've been reading a lot of, you, you know, I, I, I mean, you can have your own, like, I love Vince Flynn uh you, you know the novelist for uh he has a character mitch rap who travels around the world and like saves like in the cia like saves people like i find that interesting because it like it goes over so many different places in the world but for, for and, and that's a guilty pleasure but for right. me like david mccullough the author david david mccullough i mean writing uh you, you know, pathway between the seas, like the building of the Panama Canal. Like I've been there a hundred times. Like it's just fascinating. You know, uh, the, the the Brooklyn Bridge. Like he's a guy that I just learn a ton from. Yeah. There's a there's a really great book. I, I like presidents. I think like the Wild Wild West. Like Theodore Roosevelt. There's a story about. Uh, it's called the the River. Of, I think it's called the River of Darkness. And it's when uh, Roosevelt, when he went down the Amazon, like, like reading about real stories of people that have been to the same places that I've been and yeah. maybe a different time, like it, it brings it to life for me and, and being able to know presidents a little bit and just things like that, I think are, are fantastic. And so, you know, I'm not a member of a book club or anything, but I've got, I was looking at one of my buddies, you know, uh, Doug Foxley, like he's super great reader and like knows a little bit about everything he reads all the time right. you know and and i remember he said to me he said uh i said what do you read and he said oh i read the the time the new york times i read the wall street journal and i read the local paper like every day that's that's incredible yeah and so i started reading um uh, the new york times every day yeah I, I think they do you know whatever your political slant is their research is ridiculous yeah. like right on and um I think, you know, reading is, is one of those ways in podcasts or whatever. I mean, everybody, like I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. I was before he started doing podcasts and just interesting people. And yeah, yeah. being around interesting people, like
like besides the books and everything like like having your circle of friends like who are those who's who's the most interesting people that you know and that's i think that's helped me out a lot too just having i realized that everybody all of my friends and and i don't say this because i oh i'm younger than them but all of my friends are at least 10 to 15 years older than me sometimes 20. right and i think part of that was because i was traveling so young maybe and yeah like the people that i i could really i felt like i just wanted to learn from all these people like that that really helped me too i'm gonna be bummed when they all die though because i'll be the I'll have to find a new group of friends. It's it's pretty interesting for sure to have that kind of uh, the guidance. uh, Mm, Yeah. Some, some more of that wisdom for sure that you, I think that's, that's pretty unique. Absolutely. I don't think that there's too many friend groups where you can kind of lean on people and kind of have, have that wisdom. Um, You, You know, it's interesting and I didn't, I never planned this, but I realized that all of my friends are in, all different industries too. Like they're not, nobody's in the same travel or, you know, we, I think we all became friends through travel though, that that's, we, I realized like, this is a guy that's got my back, like no matter what. How how would you say, how does travel kind of, kind of create that? You know, you've talked to that a little bit about three weeks, you really get to know someone. I, I think, I, I'll tell you, Bobby, I think that there's, a mar- I, I've said this before, like maybe this is a business somebody will listen to and like, oh, I'm going to start that business. <laughs> but I thought about, um, you know, for recruitment of, like, if you want to hire, like if uh, for whatever industry, like, and, you know, all these companies pay so much money to recruit like the best people, what they really need to do mm-hmm. is take a group of people, and I would facilitate this. Take a group of people they want to hire, like at high level, like there's a lot of, um, they, they, they put a lot of money into it. They, they give these people a three-week trip around the world. Yeah. And I would throw things at them like this plane, like you get no sleep, like you're on like four hours of sleep. This goes wrong. That goes wrong. And, and you know, a, a flight's canceled. We missed this. Like you're going to, we've got to do this. And, and this happens. Like throw chaos because the one thing about travel, there's so many variables. It's not if it's when something will go wrong right. and, and see how they react. And is that the type of person you want in your company, in your circle, taking care of your best people? Like, that's when you know who they are. I mean, I tell, you know, my big pitch to, you know, to companies are, and, and to owners, it's, it's not, look, I'm not, you're not hiring me to make sure things go well. Look, yeah. I, I, that, that's assume that it's going to go well. You're hiring me when the shit hit the, hits the fan. Sure. You're hiring me for when you've got somebody with a heart attack in Machu Picchu, like, how do I get them? How do we save them? How do we get them out? Like, um, you know, a pulmonary embolism, this happens, that happens. Somebody gets arrested. Like I'm there, I'm the fixer. Like I'm there for when things go wrong and then make you look good. That's it. Um, And the same can be said about that with, uh, you know, with people. So that business idea of like, oh, like you want to hire the best, you want to see who you're really hiring? Give me three weeks, give me two weeks with them. Look, I could probably make it happen in a week. I need, you know, how much you want to put into this? Like we're going to, you know, what's that? 
for that chaotic trip that, that you would create to see. We, we, we take them to the Amazon. Like, okay, like, oh gosh, the, uh, we're, we're out piranha fishing and all of a sudden, like, we've got a leak and, the, and the, the engine isn't working. Like, are they saving themselves or are they saving somebody else? Uh, you know, we're, we're going through and, you know, we're lost. Like I could come up with a hundred things that have happened to me. Like, Oh, we're at, like, we're going to hike Machu Picchu and the last train down, like, Oh my gosh, we just, somebody pulled their ankle and now how do we get back? Like, what are we going to do? Right. And we've got to be, you've got a presentation the next day. Like, you know, I, I may throw, throw things at them, make sure they don't have a lot of sleep. The food's not great. You know, I, I don't know. We throw things at them in pretty remote places sure. and, and where it's like, you know, put the fear of God into them. That you know, <laughs> things that would happen. It would be a, a pretty fun, fun trip either way. Fun for you to be able to torture a little bit. Right. And see. What's right. Going. Yeah. Sign this release form and, and let's just go. But you know what, Bobby, I wouldn't even have to really plan it. Cause that would just happen. Right. Like things right. Just happen on trips. Like it's just, uh, you know, and that's why they're memorable. And that's why I, I always think about this all the time, Bobby, when you think about a life, like, I, I don't know, I always think about what kind of life I want to have, or what, what do I want to remember? And I read this book, it's called uh, um, Moonwalking with Einstein. Have you ever heard of it? No, I have not. Moon, I'm going to well, read, read that one. This is, and, and this, it's, it's called Moonwalking with Einstein. Okay. And I started reading this book because I thought about, I wanted to remember things. Like I wanted to remember in big groups, I have a hard time remembering people's names. Like I, I think when I say, oh, Bobby, you know, like you hear your name, like that's the sweetest music for most people. Like when you say, oh, Doug, like you hear your own name, like that's, and, and again, little tricks you learn in business and other things like, and you want to re remember people. And again, if you're, if you're memorable, to people, I think that's like the greatest compliment you can give someone. Like, oh, God, I, was, I met him once. Like, they remembered my name. <laughs> and and I don't mean just for like who you would consider important people, but just anybody. Like the doorman that I see every time when I go to you know Bangkok and I'm I'm going to the Shangri La or something. Like that same guy's there. Like, what's his name? The guy that picks me up. Like, what's his name? Like, I want to remember these people. And. Um, this Moonwalking with Einstein was about this writer, uh, I think it was for the Times, it could have been somebody else, like I'm not remembering, uh, but, but uh, it was this book about memorization, and these, they have these world memorization games, and this guy, like two decks of cards, they, they mix them up, right, they yep. shuffle them, and they show them, you've got two minutes to go through every single one. And then you've got to, you know, five, 10 minutes later, you got to come back and remember like all, you know, 104 cards or whatever. Right. In, in the right order. In the right order. And um, anyway, th I thought this book would have tricks about it, but it was really about this guy's story who started reporting on it, this world championship. And the guy's like, yeah, we're not that special. And he's like, what do you mean you're not that special? Like, that's amazing what you did. Yeah. And he's like, well, it's all just, it's like training. It's like anything else, like weight training or whatever. You're just training. Yeah. And he said, I bet you could, by next year, I could train you and you could win this thing. And that's what it's about, his journey. Wow. And the moonwalking part with Einstein is that, that part of the trick of, of learning and remembering things is being visual, right? Not just visual, but, but hearing and tasting and smelling and putting it all together. Yeah. When you hear moonwalking with Einstein, you like, I don't, re 
I've got a visualization of Einstein moonwalking and you know, it creates this visualization, these crazy visualizations. Well, this sort of builds on how, how to do that. But what I took from, wasn't the memorization part. It was, it was more about living. It was about Einstein believed that if you, you had in your life, if your life is this, that you'd have certain things that happen in your life in this time that, that you remember that are like, you got married, you uh, had a kid, you won the Olympics, you, you know, these highlights, like, like these things that you remember yeah. in life. And as you have more of these amazing, uh, not routine, but, but amazing experiences and something really special, like you could go through in your life and you're young and you, you're, you're like this for like maybe somebody who does the same thing every day, like you're an accountant, you're a CPA and you do taxes and you, you know, all of a sudden like you're, you know, like tax season is the same thing every single year. Yeah. But if you're going to, uh, you know, you're, you're training in Chile, like that was a super highlight. First time I went to Chile and then I went to Switzerland and then I did, you know, and, and like all these different things, all of a sudden this, your life, like yeah. your span of, 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 of life becomes this. And that's what, I wanted, like, I, I think about my life, like, was, was very much this, and I'd have, like, you know, something, my brother gets into West Point, like, amazing, like, I went, to, like, I remember that forever, and, yep. and my life started, all these great things, my, my lifespan started turning into this, right. and I think that's what travel does, like, it, it's able to give people, when they, when they think about at the end of their lives, like, how full their life was, and what happened, like how big their life was, it becomes bigger than when someone who just does the same thing every single day and at the end of their life, like, yeah, it was a good life. Like I've got, you, you know, and I, I just felt like, like reading that, I, I don't know what I was supposed to get from that book, but that's the thing with reading. Like, right. I realized like my life, like I wanted it to be like Einstein. Like I wanted my life, like m the memory of my life. Like I wanted everything to feel like, my life was this, like it was so big, like so many experiences, like every year I'm having these one of a kind, amazing experiences of going to these places. And that's what travel does, right? It, it, ex it gives you more life. Like yeah. my, my life, if I died at 50 and the same person, a different person dies, at 50, like I would feel like my life is a hundred. Sure. And, and I think that's, what everybody's kind of searching for, right? Like a, a fulfilling life. Like how much are you, are you putting in this? Like it just, it just gets bigger. Yeah. And, and I think for me, uh, I was able to, I, I, I don't say I learned that young, but I, I, I focus on that a little bit more. Like I want that life. I want, I want those experiences. I want my life to be, it's not this, it's, it's been turned into just bigger. Yeah. Much, much more vast. Yeah. So, so what would you, what would you tell those people that don't travel that often? Like what, what is the biggest, I mean, what, what experience would you give them? Oh, nothing. Like, like some people are super content and happy, like, um, to do that. And, and that's my thing. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure people look at me like, Oh, you could make more money. Like if you did this and I have friends that do that to me. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think, I don't know. Like everybody has their thing. And I, I, I feel like I, I love to give that experience. And that's one of my favorite things about travel is traveling with someone who hasn't really traveled that much and be able to, to, to look at it through their eyes. And I remember like, 
this is ridiculous. Like yeah. this is this is one of those moments, you know, first time, you know, going to climbing up Machu Picchu or Huayna Picchu and like seeing this or first time like getting the pyramids for the first time was like, whoa. Yeah. And, you know, going to Bora Bora for like that water and just like being secluded and like super romantic, like just wow, the Maldives, like have you ever seen anything so clear and like all these animals, like this fish and sharks and, you know, and so remote and the Patagonia, like it was the first time, like I remember in the Patagonia, like hiking up the Torres del Paine uh, in the Torres del Paine National Park and going up to the towers and I remember thinking it was the sun was setting and I remember thinking to myself you know those Pantone uh, swatches like with all the paints that you like there's 500 I remember thinking to myself this is where the swatch came from like I could open up that that thing and it would have like 500 different colors and and the sun like it was changing and I could go through all of them and you know thinking about those things the first time I was in the Atacama the driest desert in the world and we're hiking, you know, in the desert and I'm thinking, you know, and this, and the moon, it, it was a midnight hike and the moon was shining down like a flashlight. And I'm thinking, this is what the moon is like. Like, this is where NASA, you know, has their Range Rover equipment and they're testing for the moon. Like, I don't know. I just like those things I think about and, and people too, you right. know, I just, I, I, you know, for those experiences. And sometimes I talk about those experiences and someone's like, yeah, oh, like I go to Hawaii. I'm like, Hawaii's amazing like oh my gosh the volcano like everybody has their own amazing that's why I don't I don't discount or I never want to like I, I don't know tell someone that it's not like their story is different and just that's my story and I think the yeah. more that you do travel like and if you can and you've got the means and you're able to do it look I do it it'll it'll extend your life and yeah. I don't mean in years but but just the fulfillment what what happens in those years like it's it's extending lives for sure they, they talk about um and, and i've certainly experienced it with with travel and how much it just kind of it, it creates uh more creativity for you right mm -hmm. it also makes you so uncomfortable right oh. like when you when you travel you are i mean for most people i mean not you but for most people, no, for me too for me too you're so much outside your comfort zone right like i remember the first time when i'm traveling to europe and you get off the plane and the these aren't the normal, this isn't English. And you don't really understand and you kind of have to move and adapt. And it really, I think helps kind of build some of that creativity and, and allows you to get out of your, your comfort zone. I mean, all those experiences you can, you, you've been talking about, I mean, it sounds like you are consistently and pretty much constantly out of, out of your comfort zone. And that's, that's got to help, help you in so many different ways. I, I think, that's one of the one of the things I've been able to do that that others maybe weren't willing to do, which was yeah, get out of your comfort zone. Because if you're if you're comfortable, then you're not really growing, and 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 maybe that's what's helped me more. Like my competitive advantage was, uh, you know, being a little uncomfortable. And and I try to learn language, you know, like oh, how many languages do you speak? Well, I can get like when I'm going, like it's Arabic, like I know a few words in Arabic, like I'm, I'm gonna be able to get around, or I'm gonna be able to, you know, French, or you know, I mean, Chinese is like ridiculously hard, like <laughs> or something. But um, you know, you try to try to know a little bit, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It 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 really uh, 
it's it's crazy to think about all those different uh, experiences that that you've been to in all those different countries. I mean, what are what what's the uh, if you if you can pick through a, a, a few of your most horrifying plane experiences? Because it's it's always funny when you when you travel and you and you're on a plane and you see those people that that don't fly at all and they are gripped. And it's like, oh, yeah, everything, you know, we're just taking off. We're just landing like this. And, you know, the only reason I know this is because I've traveled so much. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's going to be fine. This is going to happen. But I'm sure you, you have to have some pretty exciting plane experiences. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, exciting enough that I'm still here. <laughs> um, and, and not, you know, nothing went terribly wrong. But, you know, it's those things when you're flying, like in Africa, when you're, uh, you know, going on safari and things uh, like I, I would tell any family like, oh, if you want the the greatest multi generational experience with your kids, your grandkids, or whatever, like go on safari. Like you'll, you, you know, to be in the wild like that. And usually, you're getting there by like planes, like landing in on grass. Um, you know, you're on grass runways. Right. And you're only flying during the day and you're doing a flyover like to clear the runway. Like, all right, we're like, are we coming down for a light? Like, no, this is just to like make sure there's nothing going to, you know, there, you're not going to get a, a wildebeest or something like running out and hitting the plane. Um, <laughs> but, I, I, you, you know, and landing like, you know, in, even in Central America, like flying over and just, you know, landing in these grass little airports and, like, oh, this is a great airport. Yeah, it was like for drug runners at one point. Like, we're just using it. Like, oh, okay, well, that's great, you know. And, um, you know, and people are always like, it's different. Like, and I think things are becoming, as, as the world flattens a little bit and we're all, you know, you sort of uh, don't have those experiences as much. But I remember being, like, flying in China and, and uh, you know, I was flying to Beijing from like Guangzhou, like somewhere that you now is pretty, uh, like most people they are getting that middle class like up there and stuff. But I remember like people bringing on the food and like spitting in the aisle and like, like we're getting ready to take off and the flight attendant's like rolling up the magazine and she's playing like whack-a-mole, like to, the, to all the people on the plane, like you sit down, sit down, like hitting people on the head. And everybody's like looking around like, oh, is that flight attendant like hitting people? Like yeah, she's like hitting people, and, you know, or, or like an early morning flight flying out of Kiev in the Ukraine. And like, does anybody else smell smoke? And, and like the flight attendants and the pilot, one of the pilots like are up in first class, they like close the window or close the curtains and they're up there just smoking in first class. Like it's six o'clock in the morning, like just having a good old time. Like what? what? I didn't think we could smoke on planes anymore. I, think, I thought we stopped that. Like, is that, is that still a thing? I don't know. Like there's a million things like that, right? Like sure. just, just little things that happen. You're like, is this really, is this happening? So you, you, you talk about uh, some of those different places. What, what would you say are some of the most profound things you've, you've kind of seen uh, along your way? And that's probably hard because you've already spoken to a bunch of those. But I mean, what are just some of the, because I, I mean, I know for me, like personally, one of, one of the most profound experiences, like when, I'm, uh, when I've been traveling is Europe and you're in uh, Zermatt, Switzerland. You kind of, you take this train and it winds up this just gorgeous canyon and you get off of that train and you just look up and you just see the mountainsides and you look at the Matterhorn and it, it's almost like a cardboard cutout. You should just be able to put it over, you know, push it over. And it's 
just one of the most be beautiful things that I mean, you, you need to be there in person to, to actually, you know, speak to it. It's just one of those things you can't, you can try to tell people and it just, just doesn't come out right. You have to, you have to be there in person and really experience it for yourself. So, so what would you say or, or a few of those moments where you're just like, oh my goodness, I want to share this with everyone. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could listen. I think what you're talking about is like everybody has that, those, those places. And, and I probably have a, you know, a few more than others because I think, you know, I've been fortunate, but I, I find those everywhere. Like it's not, I mean, you name a country, like I'll just start going over, you, you know, we start in South America to, to Europe, Middle East, Africa, Latin America, Asia. I, I, I mean, they've all got, it, it's so many places that, uh, and the more, sometimes the more remote when you realize like, I'm, I'm one of only a few hundred thousand people or a million that have seen this over time or, uh, I, I feel like that a lot in Latin America because I still feel like that's still sort of the last frontier. Like there's a lot of places there, but even um, let, like going to Asia and, 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 you know, in Cambodia and seeing, you know, Angkor Wat, like there's millions of people I've seen that, but I remember, you know, waking up super early and like seeing it again uh, after how many times and you think like, this has been here for like 2000 years, you, you know, anything that's really super old, right? Like, I mean, I mean, it, whether it be Ephesus and in, in Turkey, or um, I, I mean, there's all of those places that you you know, and natural things too, like Iguazu Falls in Brazil. Like you're just like, well, this is the power here is just incredible. Same yeah. with Victoria Falls, Zimbabwe, Zambia, you know, borders, like, uh, and there's hippos there too. Like it just blows your mind, and I, I think you know, recognizing that is is part of it right like some yeah. people are so busy they don't they don't appreciate it but i i think that's what travel does to you as well it, it for those that it, it helps you become more grateful uh and and i think listen besides being the most interesting person in in the room if the the most grateful person in the room is the person you want back to right mm -hmm. and and has a little bit more respect so i think uh that's that's something else too that you're able to have the empathy and the gratefulness like man i can't believe this like you just add it to your you know in your grateful bucket yeah now going through and in, in creating this business uh, there, there are a lot of difficulties along the way mm -hmm. and what would you say are are some of those kind of failures you've had to deal with and experience that have really helped propel you to make it so successful yeah oh man uh, failures like a, a million of them right <laughs> like the accounts you never got the the trip that was supposed to be you're supposed to be the guy and and something goes wrong i mean you know i i think that's look I, I don't look for for failures i mean i hear these people are like oh you should embrace failure like why why would you do that like that's so hard <laughs> That's, like that just keeps me up at night. It helps me. Like I'm not able to sleep. But I, you know, I think back and I, I think, um, y you know, there's there's a hundred of. I, I, I mean, failures. It's really, you know, it's probably true. I, I think it is true that you grow more from your failures than from your wins. Like, like you learn more. Um, you know, and you probably talked about this with your all your skiing buddies. Like that. You, you know that one run that was perfect well you learn more from all the ones that you didn't like i didn't do this or like i should have done that and yeah. uh, 
for me, it's, it's like more with things that have gone wrong and being, and I think being able to recognize like things will go wrong on a trip. Like with, I've said that, I said this to you that, that travel has so many variables. It's not like, it's, it's not if something will go wrong, it's when something will go wrong. And then being able to like have the, the fortitude and the, the mindset to be able to like be able to clearly think, all right, this is how you deal with that. And it's, it's at those times that people recognize who you are. And, and I, I think that's, I just try to be prepared for that. Um, and I'll say individually on trips, or if I'm, if I'm with a group or something and something terribly goes wrong, it's like, am I, how am I going to react to it? And I think I've, you know, that's what's trained me the most is how to be calm throughout this. Like, like, yeah, it's, it, this is bad. Like, no, this is, this is really bad, but we don't need to freak out. We don't need to yell at people. We need, you know, you still treat people like with respect and even going through this, like, listen, we had a complete shutdown in travel. Like I can completely shut down. Like this is really bad. Like it's not good. Right. And it's how, like, I'm going to deal with this, that, in a year and, and now five years down the line that we'll all look back and say, you know, well, did he get it right? Like, yeah. you know, how did he treat his employees? Like, Oh, he's still paying benefits. Okay. Well, great. Like, or did you just fire, like, did you just fire sale it? And, you know, I, I, I think I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure it out. And, um, but I think for me personally, it's, it's the, it's the, when you're in the heat of the moment, like, how are you going to react? And are you still going to treat people with respect? And you're still going to honor what you said you were going to do. Right. And, and, you know, I just try to live by that. And, but yeah, I, I mean, personally, like, like nine 11 was tough. Like that was, that was hard. And like, you got vendors, you got people, you got to pay. And like, how do you come out of it? Like, this is all relationship based, this business travel and, yeah. you know, and, and keeping a good name. And I think that's all you've got. So, yeah, no. definitely interesting. And, and that calm you kind of talk about how, because I try to be calm as well, but that, that, that can be rather difficult. And I'm sure that that's always a, a little bit of work in progress. What, what kind of helps you kind of keep, keep that calm when the, you know, shit's starting to hit the fan and you're on a trip and, and in that moment, like what, what, what helps you stay calm? So I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but my, my first partner, he's from Argentina. You know, I talked about that, like the dude will fly off the handle. Like, like we would joke around when he would go down to South America, the unemployment would go up. Like he would just like, uh, like it was just like dealing with people. And, and I think there was a certain time and a certain uh for that and to get things done like in certain countries like you've got to be alpha male you've got to be like you're berating people and whatever and i never i never liked that like it just wasn't me like that that was probably internally and and what i responded to like i don't respond really well like somebody just like again going back to west point yes sir no sir no excuse sir sir i do not understand like, i was like can we just talk about this? Like, would this be, should we, you know, like, we re, this just be reasonable. Like, I, I guess I realized early on, like what I, what I didn't want and, and, and what I didn't respond well to and, and more like, let's just talk about it and, and let me think about it. And like, I don't, I never want to like leave a situation and go back and like, that was bad. Like I should have handled that a lot. 
you know, what does it really matter? Like, like something bad, something really bad goes wrong and you have a complete freak out. And the only thing you have is probably regrets of maybe yelling at people. And, yep. and um, so for me, it was probably looking at how other people dealt with people yeah. and, 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 and sort of relating to that a little bit more. And, and not that I've never freaked out or anything, but, but just uh, realizing having been on the other end of that maybe uh, was, was probably a lot of it. Like I know how stressed out people get when they travel and, and what, what they become. And I've been on the other end of that. Like, yeah. I, I feel like that's a, <clears throat> a really unique quality, right? I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of people are, are able to understand or, or be in the other person's kind of shoes, you know, especially in the moment. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of times people think about it after the fact, right? Like, yeah. able to have that kind of unique quality of, of going through and, and knowing the, the difficulties you deal with in travel. I mean, I think that's definitely, uh, very very unique and uh yeah. it's, it's part of that that humbleness you kind of just exude that that you you're too humble <laughs> well i don't know about that but i i think you become empathetic right like yeah. like you 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 read about in the paper like the people of bangladesh or these people or that people and and you realize like oh i met them you know they're great people or you know or kind of more sometimes the more meek you are sometimes the more you get it on the head and like and I don't love that I think yeah it's just treating people like people remember that for sure yeah absolutely now what would you kind of say has helped you most persevere through this right because you've had a, a lot of difficult times and I mean it's a difficult time right now for you right yeah. travel shut like what what helps you kind of persevere through through this? So I, I think having, you know, a, a good base of, um, I, I don't know, I think sometimes I, I always think about, I, I always go back to what I was thinking 20 years ago, um, when, you, you know, 25 years ago, starting the business, when I think about I remember thinking like, where am I going to be in 20 years or five years? And I, sometimes I remember, like, I remember, and, and I still, every time I put gas in the car, and this is something I, I remember even today, I'll probably put gas in the car and I'll like, I remember when I wondered when I put my card in, was it, um, was it going to be denied? Yeah. And I, and I still think about that to this day, like, man, that, that stress of, of just, I've already been through it. Like I've, I've had that when, when people, they, Oh, like you're traveling first class, you're doing all that. Yeah. I remember though, like pulling up to the gas station and Holly and the girls are in the car. And I remember like, I hope this card works. Like I hope, <laughs> I hope I get gas. Like, you, you know, when you've, when you've come from that and you kind of like, it'll be okay. Like, like I was something I was so stressed out about, like, meeting payroll like how many times like all of those things like the stuff that has kept me up at night um and and i think back to when that happened and then where i am and like worrying about it helps no one and in fact it, it sometimes it makes you a little bit more create it can help you with creativity and other things but if it can it can overwhelm you so sometimes i i've been <laughs> we talked about this with my family lately just with like finals and the girls are at the university and I said, look, all you've got to do, here's the secret of 
of being able to get through this. You you take like what I do is I, this is really this is heavy like it's bothering me. I re, you just have to recognize it like what is, what is it making me feel this overwhelming like it's just crushing me. Right. I recognize it and then I put it away. And then I said and when it comes back it'll come back recognize it again sure. and then put it away. And, and, and I know I say that and they're like, what are you talking about? Or you think you're, you think you're that Phil, you think you're the Phil Jack, you think you're the coach of the, like some Zen. I mean, no, it's just like, everybody's different. But if you can figure out how to take something that is overwhelming you, like, like, like this situation now, like it's overwhelming. Like you can think about it all the time and you can in, in this press and yeah. in the press cycle, like you will be crushed by this. Yeah. I'm not saying don't think about it. I'm just saying recognize it when it comes up and then let it go. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really a, a, a profound thing, you know, and uh, one of the last uh, podcasts with uh, Hannah Kearney, she, she spoke to that a little bit as well, like um, in, in part of her success and just kind of recognize the, the fear and mm -hmm. not ignoring it, right? understanding it and being like, okay, this is what the fear is what's the worst case scenario with this fear and then kind of working your way back to, to neutral and okay, is it really that scary that I've kind of right. have this kind of fear of failure or, or whatever it may be. So I think that that's pretty profound to, to think about, you know, really just recognizing it, accepting it and then, and then moving on. Yeah. And, and especially I think as, as you get older too, and the more that you experience uh, I, I don't know that it gets easier, but you're able to recognize like I've already felt this. I felt this before, and I was okay. Like I lived. I'm I'm okay. And in five years from now, I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know where I am right now, and all of it was okay. Right. And, and that okay <laughs> might be different different standards for different people, yeah. uh, but. I think, you know, in this life, like you, you've only got, you know, you're, you're, you know, the, as Einstein, you know, like your life is only going to be this, like you might as well enjoy it as much as you can, <laughs> like at least try. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like it's been uh, pretty, pretty rewarding for you. I mean, now you, you, you've built this, I mean, being in Forbes and leisure and travel and, and, you know, coming from being in the last row of that plane in the <laughs> section. And <laughs> now, I mean, that's, that's gotta be pretty rewarding for you. Yeah. I, you know, I, I look back and I, I just, it's been a ride. Like it's been, it's been a lot of fun and, and most of it because of not only the places, but like you just meet amazing yeah. people. And that's, I, I think that helps out a lot. Right. Now along the way, what, what, what's, what's, you know, one of your favorite kind of, kind of habits that, that you like to do that kind of keeps you, keeps you, uh, succeeding and keep, keeps you moving forward, kind of keeps you, keeps you driving. Cause I think it can be difficult and, you know, people can get complacent, right? You, you hit a certain level of success and then, you know, there's that, that level of just kind of, all right, what, what are the next steps? What, what do I do next? What, what kind of drive drives you forward? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, back on your reading thing, like I, I was always big into some of the self-help stuff that, mm. you know, write down, put it in your wallet. And, um, 
I, I remember writing down something that John Huntsman Sr. had writ, had said, and I, I, I kept it in my wallet and for a year. I bet I've had this for 20 plus years in my wallet that said, you know, without, um, uh, it, it went along something the lines of without, without pressure. And I mean, extreme pressure, there is no growth. And so I think I've, I've been good and, and tried to remind myself uh, what, what is the pressure? Like what, what is on me? What, what am I doing to, to still have some type of growth? And I, th I think physically, like we all need it physically, like you've got to, uh, which has been why I think working out and, and, you know, for the time that I joined a, a Muay Thai Institute, the Muay Thai Institute of Kumpoli, like I wanted to do something that like really scares you, like trying to always like what, what's making me nervous or what, what don't I know and what can I learn more about? Right. And I remember going into that fight gym and like I had walked into a Van Damme movie and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this is the real deal. And, and I remember the woman like said to me, she tatted up and like Mr. Red and I walked in in a suit and I'm just like, what, what in the world is this? And I remember she said to me, she's like, so you want to go home and think about it? And I'm like, no, I want to sign up for a year. I'll prepay it. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, because if I walk out of here, I'm never coming back. <laughs> you know, like, like, how do I put pressure on myself to like do something? And not that I want to do it forever. Like, I wanted to, like, I wanted to know, like, when I start watching UFC, like, what are those jujitsu guys? Like, what do they go through? Yeah. I want to know. I want to, I, I think being curious helps for sure. Um, and then, you, you know, it expands from that. And, you know, for me on a daily basis, it's like, are, are you doing your 50 push-up? Like what, what, what little things are you doing? Like you feel like I'm doing something. And when this, when this COVID, you know, when the little quarantine started, yeah. I, I think I was so worked up. And so like the worst thing in the world for me is running. Like I never wanted to run in my life. And now I'm, you know, like running, now I'm up to six miles a day running wow. up a mountain because it always scared. Like I've never, I like nobody who runs is smiling. Like it, it can't be fun. <laughs> and, and I think, well, my, I started running cause I was like, so like, I, I recognize like, this is a fear. Like there's a lot going on here. Like, let's get it out. Like let's, and I think it was nervousness. And now every morning it's more like, like you get to like, just be, you, you, you know, not even listen to anything. Like I'm just hearing my breath. Like, like I'm just like, I don't know, like your yoga or whatever. Like I just trying new things and seeing what works and 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 like the push up thing was always easy from like I'm gonna knock out fifty push ups every morning. Like that's what I do. Like sure. it's it's part of me. Like like you're on the right track. Right. Kind of kind of moving forward and so attacking that running, how 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 does the body feel? Good. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I got uh, I, I got it from uh, this uh, gun uh, that you, uh, that I think that you guys, I got it from, uh, from Andy, the, the Steragon, I don't know what it's called, the Hyper, it just came. The Hyper, the Hyper Ice, those are the awesome. Hyper, the Hyper Ice, uh, this is, this episode is brought to you by Hyper Ice. By Hyper Ice or whatever, yeah, those are, I mean, those are awesome. Yeah, the Theragun thing. So um, I had gone to a massage place in there like, hey, we've got this. We'd like you to, they, they did that for me like 15 minutes. I was like, you don't need to do the massage. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. that was, and, and so this episode is brought to you by uh, Hyper Ice. Hyper Ice. Uh, we're going <laughs> to tag them. But um, 
Yeah, it's going really well. So I'm a little tight. My like my hammy's like so now like I'm doing lunges down the mountain, like trying to like doing squats when I get to the top and like mixing it up, right? Like you're always like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Um, so so how has it been? You know, for someone that 120 plus countries traveling all around, you, you usually don't get much time to be in one place at home uh, for for that long of a period, right? How has that kind of adjustment over the last eight weeks been for you? It's been nice to be able to. I'm I'm and <laughs> I'm embracing it. I'm I I was on on Instagram the other day. I I usually like when I run up to the top of the mountain. I like take a little panoramic view of where, what I'm doing. Sometimes I'll comment. Yeah. And I was coming back. This is a week ago. I was coming back, and the last part I sprint. Like on my road, like I go home. I just sprint. And I'm running up to the house and I see a tree and I've lived in this house for 13 years. We built it. And I'm like, that tree is pink. <laughs> we have a pink tree. And I told Holly, I said, we have a pink tree up here. Like, did you know this? And the girls are laughing at me. Like, are you serious? And I said, I've never seen this tree. Like it's pink. I have in 13 years. I've never been here when this tree is bloomed. Yeah. I have never seen how beautiful it is. And I love Utah, but I like where I live in the, 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 this changing, like the spring, I, I can't even believe it. I am, I'm overwhelmed. Honestly, I, I'm, I told I may, Holly laughed. She said, well, you've been here for 13. We've lived here for 13 years, but you've only been here for six of it. <laughs> I said, you know what? I, I think you're right. I, I think me traveling makes me appreciate even more. Like I see every time I fly in this Salt Lake, or when I look at those mountains, oh my gosh, like how do we live here? Right. I can't even believe it. Like I know why people move here. Don't tell anybody, but this is a pretty cool place. And and uh, so how have I been adjust? Like I'm loving it. Like, listen, I don't love what's going on, but I'm I'm like, again, running in the, like, I look forward to it, going up to the mountain. I look forward to finishing and, you know, making a cup of coffee and then reading the paper and like, then like, I'm ready to be productive, whatever that means. Like I'm going to somehow be productive. I can't go anywhere. I'm, I'm grounded, but I'm coming up with the next pivot. And I, I pivoted so many times in the travel industry. Like we started before internet, like I've pivoted so many times like i'm like oh it's another pivot like oh, i don't know what the pivot is but i'm i'm pivoting is that like, exciting like to, to yeah. be able to, you know uh, i guess that that's continuation of like being out of your comfort zone but kind of always needing to pivot probably every year or you know every few years <laughs> whatever time that that, that kind of comes along is that is that an exciting proposition for you it's it's not something i like to do and i even look forward to and i realize sometimes i'm more um like out of necessity you're making the pivot like oh you just lost your biggest client yeah you got to pivot like figure it out and now with you know and, and i've gotten in different parts of travel the the really super high end where people are spending you know a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars on per trip right. and i've got clients that are spending a million dollars on their best clients or their best people like on one trip and now i'm like well what happens when all that is, is not available? Like what's, what's the pivot? I, so I have a folder uh, in Google, in my Google Docs, you know, in, in a shared drive and it's called, in my folder, it says pivot. pivot. And it's like every day I'm 
writing, I'm, I'm putting spreadsheets or I'm like, what's the pivot? Like I got to figure it out really fast. What, what is this pivot? I mean, not, listen, it's not all doom and gloom and not like not everybody makes it as far as business wise. And, and, and you just got to figure it out. So what's, what's our pivot? What's Ren international? What's our pivot? Yeah. And, and not again, focus, focus, focus. I'm like, okay, what do I focus on? What do I do really well? It, you know, and that's what I would say, you know, London asked me the other day, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like you go to the office every day, like nobody's traveling. Like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm, I'm doing a pivot. Like I'm, I, I'm thinking about what I do really well. Yeah. What do, what do I do well? What have people said we do well as a business and me personally? And then what do I really enjoy? Sure. What do I do? And, you know, I always say like, I have no skills. Like if I don't travel, my friends always say like, what are you going to do when you retire? Like you sell your business. I'm like, why would I sell my business? I'm doing, I'm doing what everybody wants to do when they do retire. Like, <laughs> what do I do? Like I have no, no skills whatsoever. I've, I've got to figure it out. Like that, that's a problem. When you have nothing to lose, when you have no skills, when you have no nothing, like you, you've got nothing to lose. Like why not? I'll do it. I, you know? Well, I think that's a, that's a very humble, humble perspective. Yeah. It's definitely a, a, a humble perspective. I think you got plenty, plenty of things. To do. <laughs> so where for someone that's never traveled before, right? Does that nine to five job, they're stuck in that routine. What, what would be, uh, it's hard to pick one. What are like a, a few recommendations for, for places for them to travel, whether it's yeah, it, 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 or going for an internet, like what, what are just some, some of your favorites? So I'll, I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you two things. Number one, like, well, where do you say, I, I think internationally, like, um, expand your mind. Like that's where I, I would highly recommend like getting a passport and then just have it. It's good for 10 years. Like you got 10 years to use it. Uh, and then just get your feet whip, feet wet, like dip your feet in. And where I tell people like, look, look, you don't need to go crazy. Like we're just going to get our feet wet. We're going to dip our feet in Costa Rica. Why? Well, it's, it's the same time zone as North America, basically. Like you're not, it's, you're not really dealing with that. You're dealing with another language, which is pretty cool. Uh, and it's, it's probably one of the safest places you can go. I mean, they don't have a military. It's, it's their education rate is through the roof. And it's, it's, it's like, I call it the Disneyland of South, Central and South America. Like it's just easy. Like it just makes sense. It's not hard. Like it just start there. And, and people will be like, I've been to Costa Rica. Like, it was the most amazing thing. I'm like, yeah, it's a good place to start. Like, yeah, start at Disneyland. Why not? Like, start at the Disneyland of Central and South America. That's where I would start. I used to, so I, I, I had been to 100 plus countries in 49 states before I went to Hawaii. Have you, have you been to Hawaii? I have been to Hawaii. So 100 plus countries, 49 states before, before Hawaii. I started, so it became a joke because my big push was to take companies uh, internationally. And I would say to them, look, anybody can do Hawaii. Like you could do that on your own. Yeah. You need me to take you somewhere where it's like next level. Yeah. And that was my big push. And so tourism of Hawaii came to me and like every year, Doug, we got a free trip. Like we're going to fly you out. We're going to have you do it. We want you to I'm like, no, like I don't give business to Hawaii. I take business from Hawaii. That's what I do. And I would joke around with them. Like, no, that's not my thing. Like everybody does Hawaii. Why would I do Hawaii? And then 
I had a client, we had Ebola and we had this big trip in South Africa. I'm, I'm doing this amazing trip like for these executives. And they're like, yeah, we can't go. And I'm like, yeah, you can't go. And it's like, we're leaving in like three weeks. And the owner says to me, he's like, let's go to Hawaii. I'm like, I'm like, I've never been. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about Hawaii. And I'm like, well, this has really come to bite me in the butt, huh? This is, here we go. Like, this is it. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And uh, so in that year, so I had like some time. I went to all the islands. Like in one year, I had made seven different trips to Hawaii. Like I loved Hawaii that much. Yeah. And, and so like if you haven't been to Hawaii and now I'm like the biggest proponent of Hawaii, like, you know, like go to Lanai. Like it's amazing. Go to the big island, like fantastic. Yeah. Go to Kauai, like it'll blow your mind. Yeah. So I, I, I'm glad that I didn't go to Hawaii until, uh, you know, I'd been 100 countries and all of the other states because I think I would have spent a lot more time there. Like I love it that much. Like, and now my family makes fun of me. Like, oh yeah, you would never go. I'm like, yeah, I only went because I was showing other people like you shouldn't do it. Like I, I was, I was spiting them. What's it? The Larry David, the Kirby, it's, it's a spite, you know, it was a, a spite, it was a spite trip. Like I'm doing this just to spite you. Spite. <laughs> yeah. So how, how big is, how big is the, the, I mean, your, your passport, how many passports you got to go through? I mean, for me, when I travel internationally, it's, it's, Personally, it's always fun to go through, you know, if it's fun, right? You, you're going through customs and, and you get that stamp. It's always after the fact to like look back on your passport and like, wow, you know, here's this yeah. Chile, here's one from Australia, here's one from Austria or Germany. And how, how, many, how many passports have you run through? <laughs> so I, I, go through, I go through a passport. Every two years, I get a new 10-year passport. And every, um, every third year, I get a second passport because now the second passports are good for four years. Okay. So my 10-year takes me two years, every two years, and my four-year is every third year because the third that one I just use for backup in case I lose it. I need to get visas while I'm traveling or something yeah. like that. So I have enough. I have a couple boxes full of passports. And the idea, my wife, she's doing this. She wants to do like a wallpaper passport, but we'll probably do something like a, a, a like a like the best stamps or the best visas, and we'll frame them or we'll do something eventually. Like the kids, yeah. grandkids might like look at them and say that's super cool. But I've, yeah, I've got back since 1994, uh, 1992 actually, like visas and just like it's changed a lot. Like how everything about passports is yeah especially with global entry and everything now it's you know it's it's taken away from some of those stamps you know i want to make sure that yeah sure yeah that i mean more. everything's electronic now too when even visas i get now it's all you know biometric and everything so in the middle east especially yeah i mean i remember i remember going through when we traveled to australia for the first time and you needed that visa. and we didn't know until we were at LAX and we were getting ready to go. We're like, Oh, we need a visa to get to. So everyone pulling out their computer and trying to yeah. figure out how to do their visa before they're going to Austria is one of those things like, Oh yeah, probably should have, should have done this a little, a little while ago, done a little more research. You're not just going to Canada. You know, you gotta yeah, yeah. work on that visa. <laughs> so now, um, what for, for 
people kind of kind of moving forward what what would be a few kind of main main takeaways for you you know you talk about the moonwalking with einstein and and really having that that curiosity and the the you know 20 uh 20 years of of experience and and without pressure there is no growth what what are some other kind of kind of takeaways to to lead people if they want to go travel and and then that's really helped you succeed yeah, I, I think uh, going back, I, I think you touched on them, but but really, you know, you, what are you waiting for? Like, don't wait for permission even to travel. Like, just, you know, until, until you do it. Um, listen, I was going to tell you something I think that is important. Like, like, kind of don't wait. Like, there's never a great time, right? Like, oh, when the kids are older, like, we'll do we'll do this safari, like, what, what's the perfect age? What's this? What's that? But I think what, what we don't realize is we all think we're invincible. We're, we're all, we've got all the time in the world. When I think about, when I talk with families, I'm like, well, so you've got, if you, you've got 18, let's say 16, let's say you, you've got 16 Christmases with this kid or, you know, whatever it is. And, and I think about when, when my girls stop believing in Santa Claus, I said, that's the day that we're going to start traveling. Like, and I don't know why, like, I just, I think we had more means by then too. And, and it was like, when our youngest doesn't believe in Santa Claus, like what I'm going to do is I'm going to, we're going to leave on Christmas day. Like they're going to have one present. It's going to tell them where they're going and we're going to go and we're going to go to the airport. And that's how it started. We've done that for the last, you know, 11 years. They can tell you, every Christmas from the last uh, 11 years of, of where we've been, where they were on Christmas and what they got for Christmas, which was that trip. Right. Like I, I challenge anybody else to like go back to your kids and, and tell in the last 11 years what they received for Christmas. Oh, maybe they did get the GI Joe, the My Little Pony or whatever. Like they might remember like one thing, but they won't remember 11. Yeah. And, and, and so whether it had been, you know, and as they got older, like, I couldn't surprise them as much because we had to have a family council. Like, yeah, look, they need to, they needed time to pack for Paris and London. Like they, an hour is not enough. Like I didn't know nobody told me, but yeah. I, I, I lost my man card a long time ago since we've only got girls in the, like, I just didn't know. So you don't know what you don't know, but now I tell them in advance and now the present that they're, and they have to give the present back to us. They have to plan one day of that trip. And they give it back to us and they remember the trip even more. Mm -hmm. So for me, travel has even been a way of, of just creating, you know, more family bond to and, and, and figuring that out. So that the takeaway, I guess, is just like, there's no great time. Like just, just do it. You'll figure yeah. it out. And, and for me, I, I look back at those and I'm like, I just loved it. Like think about all those, I remember all those Christmases now, like it was just like the greatest time, all our spring breaks, like fantastic you know, all our summer trips, like whether it be Morocco or Egypt or Jordan, like it was, like, it was crazy. It was amazing. amazing. And, and, and it makes you more well-rounded, right? Like you yeah. become that, that, you know, the, the most interesting person at the family vacation, at the, at the family reunion or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever your goal is like. Absolutely. You know. Well, it, cre it creates such a unique memories too, right? And allows, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the growth just, just in your own family, right? With your, with your daughters as they, they become much more well-versed and travel and kind of going around the world. It, it builds such creativity for them. 
Yeah, I, I always tell, I mean, what, what do you want to give your kids? Well, you want to give them everything. You want to give them the world, right? And, right. Uh, you know, for, for my kids, it's like, I'm not going to leave them millions of dollars or anything. But I, again, I think that, you know, going back, they'll look back like that was like such a rich time in their, in their life to be able to travel with dad and like on individual trips. Like when they turn 16, like you can go anywhere in the world. Where do you want to go? Like Kennedy says, I want to go to Paris. Well, you've already been like three times. Why do you want to go to Paris? Like, but that's where we went. And London's like, I want to go to, you know, Iceland. Like, great. We'll rent a Defender in two weeks. We'll drive around Iceland. I said, bring a friend though. Like, like, let's give that, like I, that would have been me. Like I never had money to go. Like, why don't you bring someone that would never have the opportunity to go? Like, then you just start expanding the world of more people. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. You know, when they graduate high school, like you go wherever you want to go. Like those are family traditions. And then, then they go with Holly and like, I'm, we're diving in dry suits in Iceland and Holly and Kennedy, she just graduated from high school. You know, they're in Bora Bora diving with the stingrays. Like yeah. we're FaceTiming each other like, oh, look at this clear water. We're like, yeah, we're in glacial water. It's 2000 years old. Check this out. Like we're one upping each other. But it's 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 one of those things. And now, you know, and you just come up with more reasons to travel. Like, OK, they're they've both already been 16. They both graduated from high school. Like what's our next family? You know, our tradition. Like, I don't know, maybe they graduate from college like, oh, that's too far away. Like, what if they hit two years in college or something? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you, uh, you taking the time to come on. Yeah. We'll definitely have to have to do this again, because we got a lot more travel and, and things of uh, success to talk about. But for, for people out there, uh, where can they where can they find and, and follow along on, on social media and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, you can go to, uh, I mean, our website is uh, renintl.com, short for Ren International. And, you know, for I think you can look on uh, you know, Google us and I'm on Instagram at DW travel and Ren INTL is also has a lot more followers than I do, but uh, yeah, you can find us all over the place, but we're, we're pretty boutique. I mean, I, I always tell people that like, Oh, can you help us with Disney? You know, whatever. I'm like, Oh, I like, that's, I can definitely recommend you. But like, if you're, if you got a company that like you want to get reward and retention, I, I'm your guy. Um, yeah. So, awesome. Well, yeah. thank you. Uh, in the yeah. arena, by the way, Bobby, I was telling London, she's, she's like, what's what's in the arena? I was like, well, funny you should ask. I was like, let me pull up a quote by, uh, is it Teddy Roosevelt, right? Like, in yeah. Paris. It's in Paris. And, oh, really? I didn't, I didn't know. I need to research that a little bit more, but I read the, the little uh, speech and, and, I, and just like, oh, that's super cool. I'm like, yeah, it's, look at, I'm a big deal. Like, there, I'm going on a big show and in oh, yeah. the arena. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd love to, uh, love to have you back on to talk about a little bit more uh, travel and success. Yeah, well, it's good to, it's good to get uh, be on with you, Bobby, and, and best of luck. Well, thank, thanks a lot, Doug. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I know this has uh, satisfied a little bit of my travel itch while I've been secluded here. So hopefully uh, be able to travel pretty soon here. Right on. Well, thanks for taking the time and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye. See you. Hope you enjoyed this episode folks thanks a lot please like share and subscribe this is your host bobby carroll signing off